Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Tares, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm MJ. I'm Ash. And today, my husband put my heart on the table. There you go. <laughs> today we're going to have open heart surgery. <laughs> we're going to take a closer look at where Ashley is at with adjusting and acclimating to living here. And I think just the broader theme of fear. Yes. And so if you're dealing with fear, it's my, or I don't know, hopefully it'll be a good episode to listen to. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It'll help you understand where Ash is at with how you're dealing with the fear that you're facing right yes. now. Yes, yeah. this is my process for dealing with fear. Not that there is a formula for it, but it's just yeah. the way I'm approaching it right, right. now. <laughs> it's not the full recipe, but it's some of the ingredients. <laughs> yeah, hope you enjoy. So for our conversation today, I just wanted to see what was on your heart. <laughs> to piggyback off the last one. What's on your heart? Is that how we started the last one? No. But we talked about closeness versus togetherness. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Tee so it up for that's us. That's a dangerous place, babe. Tee it up? Yeah. I don't even know what to say. All right. So we've been here a couple of weeks now, almost a month. Mm-hmm. It'll be a month starting... It'll be month tomorrow. That's crazy. And we're getting to know the place, still using GPS everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And then somebody decides to pray for, what do you decide to pray for? I don't know why I do these things. I, to no surprise to anyone who knows me, I tend to be a somewhat fearful person. I, I say that and it's like... It's so strange because there's this other side of my personality. Granted, only the people who are probably closest to me or people from like my high school or early college age years Mm -hmm. know this side of me that I'm actually like very adventurous, kind of like a risk taker. Not even kind of. I definitely am a risk taker. Yeah. Like there's this other side of me. That if you knew that side, you you would not consider me to be a fearful person. Right. So it's very strange that I have this like dual thing mm-hmm. where I think some of, yeah, where I, you know, I tend to be today, I find myself being kind of a fearful person and yet, you know. I still have this like adventurous, spontaneous, bold side of me. Yeah. It's just kind of dormant right now. And this other side is like taking over and I'm just, it's getting old. So I pray that God would remove fear from my life. It was literally like, God, uproot this because I don't want to pass this on to my kids. I don't want to teach them to be, you know, fearful. And maybe some of that has come with adding these different responsibilities. Maybe as a single person, I was very fearless. Right. Because there was less at stake. Yeah. And, you know, then we became married. I lost my dad right around that same time. Maybe some of it, too, is my experience with with death. You know, you're kind of invincible in your mind. Well, at least I was. Lived with this sense of invincibility until I experienced death at a very young age in a very, very close personal relationship with someone, you know. And that kind of shattered me. And so... And early on in our marriage, I became very fearful that I, you know, I had lost one of the most significant men in my life. I was fearful I was going to lose the other one. Right. 
Um, and so that kind of started this like fear in me. And then now you add kids to that and there's like a hundred, a hundred million things to be fearful about when you become a parent, because you know, from my case, I'm sure other parents might resonate with this, but like, I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. Now granted, maybe a little less fearful with the second one than we were with the first one. Sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, Judah, you can eat that up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess maybe there is some some truth to the statement that the more responsibility, the more you become responsible for, especially as it relates to other like literal souls, you know, like people, mm-hmm. the more fearful I get of losing them. And so, yeah, been struggling with that. We uprooted our lives. We moved, you know, so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of room for fear of the unknown of the future. What's our life going to look like? Is this going to be a like good fit for our kids? What are the, how are they going to receive all this? What's our new norm? What's our new rhythms? Who are our friends? Like, where's Mm -hmm. our community? Like all these questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And then. Yeah. So you pray that. Literally the next day. Do you want to get into it? (laughs) I guess so. Come on, tell us. Here we are. (laughs) Yeah, we're sitting on the couch. You look over and you say, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm just thrown for a spiraling loop. This is earlier this week, wasn't it? This vortex, yes, that just is sucking me in. So essentially, there you came across an article. Mm Mm-hmm that stated a reference to potential cancer cluster. Right. In the area that we live in. (laughs) Right. Yep. And so... So we've since then become experts in cancer clusters. (laughs) And what's what's crazy is... Yeah. So you pray for this prayer. And then I reach out to anybody and everybody I know that lives in the area. Yeah. Of like, hey, we read up on this and the responses have been also a cluster like, <laughs> it's all over the place yeah from yeah. this is totally something that's true and i avoid coming close there <laughs> to people are just trying to draw conclusions that don't actually exist yeah and the thing with clusters is they're hard to prove yeah unless you know there's like hereditary connections or long-term exposure to a certain work environment right like asbestos and mesothelioma and i think we should also preface that we don't know anything about anything yeah we don't know area. anything about anything i mean and that's part of the the fear yeah. is like i don't know anything about it. it should i be concerned about this or not right you know and so so how does that change the way you've viewed being <sighs> in this house love and living here and you know maybe in a way shattering the honeymoon stage of being in this house <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 literally put me in a position where I actually have to test what I prayed for. Yeah. And I hate that. I I like I hate when I'm faced with that test because oftentimes it reveals I'm not strong enough to like pass it. Like mm-hmm. like my faith isn't strong enough. It reveals my sinfulness. It reveals my limitations. It reveals my helplessness. And 
I don't know, in today's society, those, none of those things are things that people want to claim. It's like, hey, here's my badge. Sinful, helpless, limited. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to be my friend? Right. You know, it's just like, I don't want to be associated with any of those things, you know. Right. And I think especially as someone who is more of like type A high performer, like to have to admit weakness or limitation or helplessness is really, really hard for me. Mm -hmm. And so I've been really needing to process this. Again, my way of doing this is like super rapid. So in three days, I've like gone to like some pretty deep places. (laughs) But I have to because, you know, I'm, I'm also prone to like getting preoccupied or fixated on something, you know, especially when it's like something that's related to fear. It just yeah. gets like so hyper-focused on it and have to like figure it out. And there are some things in life that you just cannot figure out. And that's yeah. really hard for me. <laughs> and so then you're forced to be like, okay, I either like at the end of the day, I either trust God or I don't. Mm-hmm. Like I either trust that my life is in his hands or I don't. Or like the alternative is that I build this like false sense of security and fortress around my life where I'm putting these protective measures in place. I'm hypervigilant. I'm this, I'm that. I'm controlling the outcomes. I'm feeling really good about it and really secure about it until there's some blow that like hits that false security that I've built up and just shatters it, you know, and reminds me again that like, I am not control of my destiny or of the destiny of the people that I love. How do you, so how do you, how do you like balance between ultimately you're not in control of your destiny or the outcome? Mm-hmm. So that's on the one end. But then on the other end too, how do you prevent yourself from just living recklessly? Right. Yeah. Because you, in a sense, feel like, okay, on an extreme case, I'm not in control. So why try to be in control with anything and just be out of control? It seems like one would either fall on one end of the spectrum or the other. I I don't think it's pretty, I can't imagine a scenario where it'd be common for one person to be on one side and then completely jump to the other side because you're wiring in the way that you think and your personality, like all these predispositions, I think kind of place you in, or in your experiences, you know, place you in one or the other. I don't know how common, I'd be so curious to meet a person who jumped from like one extreme of hypervigilance to Mm -hmm. like, I'm completely reckless now. And like, just, I don't know. I just don't know if that kind of a person would actually exist. I think you tend to like lean one way or the other and so i think it's more identifying like which way do you lean and then what do you do to try to push a little bit towards the other side you know right and so i don't think the end aim is on either polar end of the spectrum either i don't think either of those places are healthy i think there's like this middle ground where like i want to be wise in how i live but also i am operating from the understanding that my days are numbered, period. And there's no amount of anything that I could ever do to like... Really change that. To Yeah. yeah. Like it, it is this like inevitable reality. But I think I've been so... I think I'm so distracted in life by all the things like 
this pull, this grab at success, a successful life or all the latest and greatest things or gadgets or like there's so many things distracting me from the reality that my time and my days, like, like there is an end day for right. me. And every day I'm getting closer to that day, you know? Right. And so the weird, like the crazy thing is that like, you know, I've experienced my father's death. I've experienced recently my sister's death. Both of them were young. My dad was, you know, 47. My sister was 23. Mm -hmm. And so it's like I've been faced with those realities and yet still subconsciously I live in this invincibility mode, you know? And so I think since being here, it's just been something that I'm very, now that there is like, I guess, you don't really operate as if it's true until it hits you. You know what I mean? And this is the first time the threat is, feels like it's actually on me and not just somebody else that I love or know. And so when the threat is like, wow, this, you know, I don't even know if it is a threat or not, like right. a perceived threat, right? <laughs> That's the first time I'm thinking about it through the lens of like my days are numbered. Yeah. My time is limited. How am I spending my time? What am I doing? Am I really giving my time to the things that are the most important and will outlive me here on this earth? Or is everything I'm devoting my time to going to die literally with me? Hmm. Yeah. And it's, like you said, it's kind of ironic because you don't all of a sudden escape the fact that your days are numbered when you don't think about it. But yeah. now that you do think about it, especially when there's something that comes to the forefront of especially an unknown, really untouchable threat. Like it's not like like you mentioned earlier where the smoke or the wildfires that created the smoke in upstate New York yeah. and most of the Northeast all the way down to Virginia while we were still there. Yeah, yeah. You could see the threat and so you could respond to it. Yeah, and you don't think about how like this probably isn't. Like this probably isn't good. Right, but at least be, but at least you can know. tell that you need to yeah. change your behavior yeah. to create a better outcome for your life. Whereas for like a threat of a cancer cluster, you can't see if it's in the trees or in the soil. Right. Or in something that you ate. And yeah. you know, we've in our rabbit trails have seen they've done studies on this with the areas. Couldn't really pinpoint it to anything. And then also just like these things, perceived clusters happen all the time that are hard to tie together. Like that baseball team of four baseball players of the Philadelphia Phillies who both, four of them all got brain cancer. Yeah. So they were like, oh, it must be the t artificial turf that they used in the stadium. Did all that research, couldn't tie anything together. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, as like one of the guys that I talked to said, it's like we we try to create connections to make sense of the world around us. Yeah. When sometimes it's just, it's just, it's just the way of the world. Right. Or we just don't understand it. Or we don't have the technology to understand it or it actually is just truly random. Yeah. And that's hard because we want to try to be able to explain it. Yeah. And when something's unexplainable, the perceived impact of it is a, a lot larger. Like yeah. the weight of how fearful you can be towards it seems a lot greater than just the fact that it might actually just be random. Yeah. 
This has also made me just think about fear generally and how strange it is. It's like this thing that's happening in my mind and it's this perceived outcome. And I've even had to think through like, what am I actually afraid of? Is it cancer? Mm -hmm. Is it death? Am I afraid of death generally? Am I afraid of my death? Am I afraid of my family's death? Like I've had to go on this trail of like trying to find this thing, like fear feels like such a big thing when you're facing it and like it touches everything in your life. Yeah. But like to pinpoint it and be like, what is it? Like, what is the thought that's actually driving all of this for me? That's a very hard exercise to go through. And then when you do it, you're like, wow, this, like fear is such a strange thing because it's such a, it's like literally one very specific thought Yeah. that has, it's shrouded, you know, in this massive, what feels like a massive weight and is sucking the life out of like every area, you know? Yeah. You walk around, you're like looking over your shoulder and you're like, oh my gosh, what if I eat this? Or what if I do this? What if I breathe in here? What if I, <laughs> what if I touch this tree? <laughs> yeah. Like all of a sudden you start to live your life in this way. That's like none of those things could be remotely dangerous, hmm. but in your mind, it's all, it's all connected. Yeah. yeah. It's so, it bleeds into, yeah, it bleeds into all the other areas when you don't know the scope of the the threat. Yes. Everything becomes a threat. Right. Yeah. And I think too, love, I must admit that I can be more gracious in how I support you in your journey. I feel like I've been rather blunt in <laughs> You're like, times. We're talking about this. I'm like, okay, just put my heart here on the table. <laughs> well, I'm just even thinking about throughout the week as yeah. you bring it up. And I think, so, you know, I, I will admit I, I can be more gracious in talking to you about it and supporting you. But I will admit that I am like literally so opposite from you. I know. Where I, I think about the things in front of us. Yes. Right. In terms of just like a more day to day kind of a guy. Yeah. And that's why we complement each other well. But I think one of the things that I saw this past week that I think really helped you was whatever that exercise was that mm-hmm. you used. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like how you found that, what that is. And I was just like, when I read through some of the things that you've processed through, I was like, oh my, this is like, really encouraging and empowering in terms of how to bring the fear into its proper context in light of like what we know and what we believe to be true yes so take your time i stumbled across this idea from dr caroline leaf in one of her books i think it's has something to do with a five-step process of like she calls it like switching on your brain Mm -hmm. and basically like rewiring your thoughts so anyways i'll just share kind of what i did obviously not the specifics but i know i'm putting you on the spot here do you want to share that love are you comfortable yeah okay so she has five steps to this okay um the first one is to gather the word or phrase that continuously runs through your mind so this was the process of me pinpointing what is the thing that i'm actually fearing here because this is becoming all consuming and i know i'm not like i know i'm not just fearing like everything like there's something that's driving this so that was the process of me whittling down to like what is the thing that's running through my mind the next thing is to reflect and basically 
ask yourself like why prompted questions. Why do I think this way? What prompted this? Why is this running through my mind continuously? Um, So you just kind of like ask yourself these reflective questions and start to take note of like, where did this basically try to trace where did this come from or originate? And then the third step is to write. So write your thoughts specifically to identifying which ones are affecting you most. And then revisit the thoughts in this step um she is a believer and so she encourages um to invite the holy spirit to reveal what needs to be changed so it's basically tying like okay here's your thought now how do we how does what this does thought need to be to changed yeah basically like how do we line this to truth yeah and then the last step she calls active reach where you line up your toxic thought with a confession of truth and this really pointed out to me how important it is to know scripture, not just for times like this, you know, but especially in times like this, because I did not know what to claim when these thoughts would Hmm. surface. This really Mm -hmm. is, I think when the Bible talks about in second Corinthians 10 about taking every thought captive, I think this is a good exercise for how to actually do that. Hmm. You know, that concept of take every thought captive, that sounds good in theory. Okay, but how do you actually do that? This is like a very practical way of, I am now creating a pattern for whittling down the very toxic thought to how do I now anchor this to the truth? And now that forms... A, re, a rewiring in my brain, you know? And so I think something else that's been encouraging is as I did kind of go through the process of like, okay, what does the Bible have to say about fear? You know, what does the Bible have to say about, you know, my numbered days and the fact that, that my life is hidden Christ, that, you know, the Lord, like th- these things that I know to be true, it's like I needed specific scripture <laughs> to anchor it to, yeah. you know? And something I found very comforting in this process also was the fact that fear is mentioned so many times in the Bible. So you're and, not alone. Yeah, to feel like, man, I shouldn't be this far in my faith journey and still be struggling so much with trusting God. Mm-hmm. Like how I, I really started to feel like a fraud mm-hmm. of like, man, yeah, I say I believe in the Lord and this and that and da da da. And the first instance for me to actually exercise, do I really believe that my life is in Christ? You know? I'm like, no, let's sell and move our house. Like, (laughs) no, I'm not living. You know, it's just like the first instance of being tested in that. I feel like I failed, you know, and I'm still struggling with it. I'm still like, I don't know if I feel comfortable living here, you know? And it was just very encouraging to me to know that I am in the company (laughs) of a community of believers for millennia who have wrestled with fear, even those who walked very closely with Jesus, you know, still wrestled with fear. Right. And he was right before them, you know? Right. And so that has just really helped me to know like, okay, I'm not like the biggest failure on mm-hmm. earth. Like this is a very, the Lord knows that this is a thing that his people <laughs> struggle with. And he's constantly saying, don't fear, D- don't be afraid. Where do you think you're at with it right now? 
Um, still afraid. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where you like you anchor your thoughts, you know, you find the thought, you anchor it to truth, you go through that practice, and in that moment it's fine, you go about life, the more time passes, you're like, okay, this isn't really a thing. And then it comes up again, or somebody talks about something, or you hear about cancer, or somebody you know gets cancer, and you're just like, here it is again. Yeah. Got to deal with it again. Yeah. And so it's it's an ongoing practice, I feel like. And I think in the Lord uprooting fear, I don't know what in the world possessed me to pray. That's what I was going like, to say. Like, it's why, what happens when you pray stuff like that. Why would I do that? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. the truth is, like, I do want to live without fear right like i do want to live i I do want to be bold you know like i desire that and i want that and it's like the process to get that means that like the uprooting of fear i mean this is going to some really i've I've journaled some really 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 deep things Mm -hmm. like it's painful it's really painful because you basically have to let go of everything i think fear is really a grab at control and a realization that we can't control And so when I realized that the people I love, like I don't have control over what my relationship with them will be like or their longevity of their lives or my ability to be in their life for ever, you know, like when I realized that I am not in control of those things and at any time, like death is a very real reality, like this side of heaven, you know, like it's going to happen to all of us at some point. It's a very scary thing to have to let go yeah and it really requires for me to determine what do i believe about eternity what do i believe about heaven because if i do believe that yes sin introduced death into the equation but that wasn't god's original design and everything that christ has done to ben has been to overcome that to redeem it to restore to make all things new then what a beautiful gift that we have. But to actually accept that, you have to let go of the life that we have here that I want to hold on to so tightly. That and you have to be so well-versed in the reality, the truth that we have to anchor ourselves to. Because I think much like what you were saying, just reading through what you were working through in that exercise, that was also like my takeaway was that, man, there is actually so much that, God speaks to us specifically about fear in scripture mm-hmm. that I didn't even really piece together. Like every single one of those references we've come across before, Yeah. but just seeing it all in condensed form was like, man, we really shouldn't fear. Yeah. And it's not because it's not valid, but it's because Christ has said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Right. Like in the end, like you will be with me. Yeah. And so... I think for me as well, even though I'm extremely different than you are in how we look around our day to day, I think that exercise still is important in capturing our thoughts and making sure that, you know, we have to take it to its end and then write truths over it. Otherwise it will consume you and it'll it'll prevent you from being able to just like live the life that you were supposed to live right or sp- spend the day you were in a way that is supposed to be spent it does make total sense and it this whole i don't know kind of journey for me has kind of 
made me think about how postmodern American, like the mindset is to build a life here, Hmm. have the life that you want and you, and you can pave it. Yeah. You know, and there are so many aspects of our day to day that kind of, um, affirm that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I do well in the interview. I land the job. That was because of my skill or my personality and my charisma. I do well in the dating stage. You land the guy or the girl. You get married. You know, there are so many things in life that I do this, I get that outcome. This, you know, I got that or I got that outcome because I X, Y, Z, you know, and it really kind of I'm, I'm just realizing that it kind of caused me to make myself the source of these things mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing everything as a generous gift from god yeah you know or that he is even the source of the skill set and like all these things that i possess yeah. yes he did give them to me but they didn't originate from me right. you know and so it's it's making me realize that in order to really have a heavenly mindset, you have to see that as better and the end outcome. And that means that you have to see this life here as not ultimate, as not ultimate. Yeah. And that's just not that's the way I think most I, I that's not what drives the American mindset. And it's also not what you're you can easily forget that. Yeah, because you've got air conditioning, you've got electricity and you've got three meals a day and that like you feel like you are totally in control when you know a lot of these like you said is grace and you these these good things these are Mm -hmm. truly good things i love air conditioning i love being able to have power and we've experienced not having power like these are good things but we can't make them ultimate things yeah and the other sad thing is our hearts will settle for them so easily. Yes. That being like facing the reality of losing something becomes in terms of one of these conveniences. Yeah. Becomes so detrimental to our well being that if you compare where we're at in our faith, living in the US, in the comforts of what we have compared to somebody who is being persecuted in another place in the world who is grateful to be able to like participate in the suffering for their faith yeah because they know it doesn't compare to the future glory that they can experience like they embody that and they believe that it really puts to shame the way we think about the fears perceived or real yeah that we face every day and it just makes us so soft yeah. in terms of like we are inconvenienced too easily and we are too easily amused and that like there is that that longing. And I think it ties back to in a certain way that exercise that you went through, like that longing or that satisfaction or that hopefulness really starts to go away if you're not dwelling in the word. Yeah. And just rather than just like, trying to define and confine the fear that you're in, if you overlay that with what does our life actually mean through the lens of what God says about who we are, what we're here for, what we're called to participate in, yeah, 
and it totally shifts. But the thing is, you have to die to yourself every day. And so it creeps back up. Yeah. And it, that's like part of this journey of how do we conquer this type of fear? Some of it is just that like it, it's not any time. Like I asked you that almost in terms of where you're at with it in jest. Because I don't know if you ever are supposed to just be over it. Yeah. As much as it is something that in every way I feel like in a lot of what we're experiencing right now, you and I have both said, like, I think the Lord's trying to draw us to him. Yes. Yeah. And I think there is, in a sense, a healthy fear of knowing that my days are limited. It's like this veil has kind of been like taken away from my eyes of just like, oh, we're just going to live forever and everything's great. And we have this wonderful life and beautiful house and all the things and da, 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 da. And to the reality of, you know, another prayer, I I prayed two prayers. (laughs) One was, you know, uproot fear from my life. And the other was, I'm, I'm, I'm in a place in motherhood where it's just hard, you know, all our rhythms, all our r- routines, all everything is stripped sure. away. I I don't have my community. So it can really feel, I, I was really starting to feel a sense of purposelessness. Like, what am I doing in my day to day? You know, I'm taking care of two babies doing the same mundane things every day, all day. Mm-hmm. And it's not that that's not important, but man, this whole exercise has really just made me, ask myself the question, like, what if I did only have six months? Like, I'm not guaranteed forever with them, with you, you know? If I did only have six months, would I still consider what I do on a day-to-day basis with them not, like, not important? Mm-hmm. That would be the only thing I would want to devote my time to in that six months. All of a sudden, it becomes so incredibly important. And so it also caused me to question, like, how easily do I allow myself to be distracted by things that are um, seemingly essential, but are really not? Yeah. And see the things that are essential as unimportant. And so it's really kind of like reshifted my priorities a little bit in this season of motherhood to see, man, I, I am not purposeless. <laughs> you know, I am not doing nothing. I am making investments of the lives of my children who are the most important people in my life. And I want to be able to, and you know, I've said this before, like I want to get to the end of that. Not that you are not their parents when they're adults, but like I want to get to the end of this like rearing yeah. stage and be able to say, I really enjoyed it. Not that like every moment wasn't hard. That's not what I mean by enjoyed every moment. I mean that I allowed myself to really fully be in every moment and understand that every moment, even the hard ones were gifts. Like they, it was a gift to have that moment, you know, because there are some people who want that and can't have that. There are some people who have lost their children. There are some people who have grown children and don't have that and wish for that time again, you mm-hmm. know? What, what was that and song so, you were trying to get me to I listen to? I don't know. So it just made me bawl my eyes out. <laughs> but We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it talked about how like these are the times we'll want back, mm-hmm. you know, later on when you're in the thick of it. You're just so exhausted all the time and you're pouring out and it just feels so hard. You feel like it's chaotic and you're just surviving and like let's just get to bedtime 
And I don't want my whole motherhood journey to just be succumbing, be succumbing to that exhaustion Mm -hmm. (laughs) to where I don't actually enjoy the gift while I have it, you Mm -hmm. know? And then I get to the end and I'm like every other parent who's like, man, it goes by so fast. Don't wish it away. Yeah. Soak it up. You know, I know that those are coming. Those are words coming from parents who wish they had it back. Yeah. You know, talking to parents who sometimes wish it away. Yes, exactly. I know there's like this weird exchange happening in that moment between me and that parent where they're on the other side. And I'm looking at them with the tired eyes saying like, I'm just trying to make it to bedtime. And they're looking at me saying someday you'll wish you could just have that time. Hmm. You'll, You'll wish you could have all the bedtimes back, you know? And so it's just, it's really kind of reframed my priorities. It's re just, it's realigning my thoughts back to truth. Like this whole journey as painful and hard as it is to like let go of the things and really be like, you know what, at the end of the day, I am going to trust that even if you do take them, you're still good, you know? And that the point of all of this is not the life that we're building here. It's for the life that's to come. And it's really hard to like surrender to that. It's really hard and I think you have to keep doing it over and over again because little by little, those distractions come back little by little. It's like enough time passes by and that fear just kind of like, until something makes it pop up again and you're like, wow, okay, I'm not invincible. Our days are numbered. (laughs) Like all these things are still reality even though we've just been going on and it's just that like none of these perceived threats have actually come about, you know? It doesn't mean that they weren't still always there you know it's just reconciling that reality of trusting whether or not the lord is actually carrying you so i'm definitely not if anybody's listening to this and be like wow they've really worked through this no i'm really struggling with this Yeah, we're in the first inning i'm really struggling i can like vocalize the truth this is like where i am in the process of being able to like state the truth but my heart has not yet believed it to the point where I like can walk without being fearful, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like what we heard the difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. What? In terms of just like knowing the truth. Yes. And then actually yeah. practicing it. Yeah. Believing it so much that I'm not actually fearful of the thing. Yeah. That's, that's a different story. I'm still fearful. So, um, I'm, I know the Lord is working in me and drawing me, you know, in in that process but i'm still there are still parts of me that are holding on to what i want to hold on to thanks for sharing where you're at with it it's my heart on the table guys well hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of table talks with the tares we'd love to hear from you and if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about visit honors underscore.com slash table talks to let us know and if this episode was helpful to you be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.